0: Wow, Michaela, thank you for that rousing start to this Pentecost Sunday. Good morning and welcome to all of you to our gathering this morning for worship. We are glad that you are with us. Uh, We are glad if you are joining us through our radio broadcast, on our OSL podcast, Um, or through our OSL YouTube channel this morning. We are so delighted that you have found us and are gathering with us this morning for worship on this day of Pentecost, a day that we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. Our Paschal candle is lit one more time, as it has been throughout this entire Easter season, lit today on this day of Pentecost as a reminder of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on those first believers in Jerusalem, and a reminder that the Holy Spirit, that same Spirit, is poured out on all of us in our baptisms. As you prepare for worship, if you have not already done so, I invite you to light a candle and to gather some bread and some wine or juice um, in preparation for our celebration of Holy Communion a little bit later in our service. Our worship begins this morning um, with a thanksgiving for baptism. We gather in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are joined to Christ in the waters of baptism, and we are clothed with God's mercy and forgiveness. Let us give thanks for the gift of baptism. We give you thanks, O God, for in the beginning you created us in your image, and planted us in a well-watered garden. In the desert, you promised pools of water for the parched, and you gave us water from the rock. When we did not know the way, you sent the Good Shepherd to lead us to still waters. At the cross, you watered us from Jesus' wounded side. And on this day, you shower us again with the water of life. We praise you for your salvation through water and for the gift of water everywhere. Bathe us in your forgiveness, grace, and love. Satisfy the thirsty and give us the life only you can give. To you be given honor and praise through Jesus Christ our Lord in the unity of the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. We sing together our gathering hymn, O Holy Spirit, enter in, number 786. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
1: And also with you.
0: We sing together our hymn of praise. Lord be with you.
2: And also with
0: you. Let us pray. O God, on this day you open the hearts of your faithful people by sending into us your Holy Spirit. Direct us by by the light of that Spirit that we may have a right judgment in all things and rejoice at all times in your peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son and our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, amen. Our worship continues this morning with a kid's time with Pastor Heather.
1: Greetings, OSL kids and adults, and happy Pentecost Sunday to you. On this Pentecost Sunday for our kid's time, I'm going to read a story to you about a holy troublemaker and an unconventional saint. And today, we are going to meet and learn about Reverend Will Gaffney. Here is her story. It's a warm Sunday afternoon in Garrysburg, North Carolina. Young children are running between the yards of several houses, laughing and playing games. They are cousins and their families live on connected properties in this small town. Wilda, or Will, for short, is part of this group. Along with her cousins, she has spent the morning in church with her parents and extended family. Now they are home for lunch. The kids play outside in their undershirts and shorts because their dressy church clothes need to stay clean for the afternoon church service that will start in a few hours. Sundays were all about church and family for Will and her cousins. You had to go a few miles before there wasn't a blood relative she remembers. When it was time to go back to church, my parents and the other adults would just pile us kids all in whichever car was closest. Someone would bring all of our clean church clothes. Then when we got to church, we'd tumble out and get spruced up again for the next service. For young Will, growing up in black church culture meant memorizing and reciting Bible verses, singing gospel music, going to church summer camp, and participating in church all day on Sundays with her whole family. Black churches hold the Bible in very high regard. Sermons are typically built around the Bible, and so Will grew up knowing the stories and characters of the Bible. This deep knowledge served her well when she eventually came to understand that she was called to teach and preach. She went back to school to get specialized training meant for pastors and priests. As part of her graduate education, she learned Biblical, Hebrew, Greek, Latin, and Aramaic. She noticed that many of her white classmates didn't know the Bible stories and characters nearly as well as she did, and that made translation harder for them. I could often figure out the grammar of the text simply because I knew the story so well from growing up in the black church, she says. Now, she is a biblical scholar, author, priest, and professor of Hebrew scriptures, and her full title is the Reverend Dr. Will Gaffney. She teaches in classrooms through her books, and online to many thousands of people who have learned to turn to her for insights, translations, and commentary. Reverend Will is especially known for being a womanist scholar. To many people, womanism is a new concept. For Reverend Will, the short definition of womanism is that it is black feminism with much more to it. Feminists believe that women and men are equal. Because of the culture in which modern feminism was born, however, the main reference points for feminists are often the experiences of white women. Womanism is instead interested in the perspectives of the people in texts who often are overlooked or unheard, usually the voices of women, enslaved people, and children. Womanism is interested in the well-being of the entire community. And that especially means the well being of those who are vulnerable and often exploited, Reverend Will explains. To get there, we start by listening to Black women. Womanism asks deeper, bolder, and broader questions than feminism has asked and uses the experiences of Black women to interpret texts. For example, Reverend Will illustrates what a womanist perspective can bring to the often quoted phrase the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Those three men are important ancestors of the Jewish, Christian and Muslim faiths and many details of their lives are listed in the Hebrew Bible. However, Reverend Will points out that we often do not know the names of the women these three men fathered children with. Some of them were wives and others were enslaved women forced to have children with these men. It can be uncomfortable to face the questions that arise when we try to listen to a sacred text through the voices of the women and marginalized people who did not get treated well by people we've been taught to admire. But it can give us fresh and new perspectives about the texts. I believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but I also believe in the God of Hagar, Sarah, Keturah, Rebekah, Rachel, Leah, Bilhah, and Zilpah, Reverend Will says. Not only do the stories of these often forgotten women teach us, but by naming them, we show them respect. Saying a person's name is very important in African-derived cultures, Reverend Will says, so it's important to say their names. The names we use for God are another important part of Reverend Will's teachings too. Language matters, the way we speak about God determines what and who we value most. So Reverend Will asks her students to think about the question, what is your God language and why? For example, for many centuries, the word God has usually been translated in masculine and male terms only. This is not an accurate interpretation of the original texts. Even though so much tradition and virtually all of the biblical texts and books about God have translated God as only masculine, that is not how the words and grammar of the original Hebrew text actually describe the divine. God is both male and female, just like the humans created in the image of God. Reverend Will teaches her students that the word for God's spirit in Hebrew is Ruach, and it is always a feminine noun. In many languages, nouns have a feminine or masculine gender, but English grammar does not have such gendered nouns. Centuries of all male translators left out the feminine from the language about God by simply removing the pronouns, those words pronouns like we, she, him, they. So whenever the original text says the spirit in Hebrew, The male translators wrote God. However, because most people are so used to associating maleness with God, they still hear the word God as masculine. But God is also she, she, the spirit of God, she who is also God at the dawn of creation fluttered over the nest of her creation at the same time as he, the more familiar expression of divinity created all, Reverend Will writes. God is female and male, and when God gets around to creating creatures in the divine image, they will be female and male, just as God is. Reverend Will asks her students to imagine hearing Scripture with the feminine gender of God's Spirit still present in the words. Some examples include, She rested on them, or The Spirit of God came upon David, or she made me. This last phrase, she made me, is in the Hebrew scriptures more than 30 times, usually when describing God's spirit urging someone to take action. Because Reverend Will goes back to the original languages and finds the feminine grammar that has been overlooked for centuries, she sometimes calls herself a literalist. Feminine language for God occurs in the text repeatedly. This means that feminists and womanists advocating for inclusive and explicit feminine God language are not changing, but are actually restoring the text and could be considered biblical literalists. Reverend Will helps her students to find names for God that go beyond gender too, in addition to the names that are already familiar. Some people use holy one, creator, sustainer, the sovereign, fountain of life is one that comes out of Judaism. I've had some students, she says, who've used the word love in all caps. I let them choose a name for God that speaks to them. I hope Reverend Will has inspired you to think about how our words matter, including our words, our names for God. What is your favorite word for God? Thanks for listening to my story today, and thanks for joining in our worship on this pentecost sunday we continue our worship now as we hear a reading from the book of acts chapter 2.
3: a reading from the second chapter of acts when the day of pentecost had come they were all together in one place and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind
4: because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, The word of the Lord.
0: We sing now together our gospel acclamation.
1: The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Did you know that the word conspire means to breathe together? Join me, if you will. Let us take one big breath together in and out. We have just launched a conspiracy. Do you hear the word spirit in there? To conspire means to be filled with the same spirit, to be enlivened by the same wind. Now, most likely, the words conspire and conspiracy do not come to mind when you think of church or worship, which is good in light of our colloquial use of the word describing a theory, a conspiracy theory that deems the cause of something as sinister, often based on insufficient evidence or prejudice, even though other explanations are much more probable. And yet, to conspire is exactly what happens when we breathe together, when the Holy Spirit swoops in and out among us, wherever we are, weaving us together. In this time of worship, through the songs we sing or have playing in our homes, Through the prayers we pray, through the scripture we hear and take in, through our confession of faith, we say out loud or in our hearts. Through the meal we participate in, we receive as Christ for us. The Holy Spirit conspires in us, among us, through us. I love that thought, particularly now, as we are physically separated. The Holy Spirit conspires, breathes in us, and connects us together. I've been thinking a lot about that these last weeks. You may have noticed in my sermons. I've been thinking a lot about how the Holy Spirit is breathing in us. Because I don't know about you, but right now, I don't find myself breathing very deeply. Out of fear, out of concern, worry, my breathing is shallow. In fact, my breathing is guarded, literally guarded by a mask quite often right now. I even find myself almost holding my breath when I'm grocery shopping or using a public restroom. I am constantly aware that my cloth mask might not prevent me from unknowingly spreading this virus. We can only diminish the risk. We cannot entirely prevent or control this virus. We can only diminish the spread. Hashtag flatten the curve, which has become our collective catchphrase. Why? Because we share the same air. It's an incredibly leveling reminder of our interconnectedness. When any member of our community gets sick, it potentially affects us all. Our general well being is connected. It's always been true, whether in matters of healthcare or the economy, climate change, air pollution, food shortages, clean water, gun violence. We all share the same air, the same water, the same streets, the same earthly home. We can isolate ourselves from this truth, pretend we are not dependent on anyone, pretend that our success is solely of our own making. But then a pandemic strikes and the old proverb hits us in the face. No man is an island, no woman either. No one is an island. Written by John Donne in 1624, anyone's death diminishes me because I am involved in humankind. No one is an island. Or as one late public servant often said, we all do better when we all do better. We all breathe the same air. Yes, there are those in our world most directly impacted, most compromised because of inequality and injustice, The poorest in our world always suffer first, suffer the most, but eventually the truth hits us all. We all breathe the same air. Somewhere along the line in your education, you probably learned about our Earth's atmosphere, how this magnificent planet we live on is wrapped in this protective veil that we call atmosphere, a veil which separates our environment from the vacuum of outer space. Our environment, including the air we breathe, is contained. You could say that we actually breathe ancient air recirculated. How amazing to think that our breaths now might take in stardust left over from creation or Stegosaurus breath. Just think we breathe the same air that dinosaurs did millions of years ago. We breathe the same air as King David, the same air that Miriam used to fill her lungs as she sang and danced at the Red Sea, the same air that Jesus' mother Mary breathed to sing of God's great reversals in the Magnificat, the same air that the Apostle Paul breathed in prison and breathed to preach in Jerusalem. We breathe the same air as Plato, Michelangelo, Francis of Assisi, Florence Nightingale, Harriet Tubman, Jesus himself. How's that for an interesting list? A wonderful and creative preacher, Barbara Brown Taylor inspired me long ago with the notion of the Holy Spirit as the breath of God conspiring with us. She also suggests that when Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross and gave up his spirit, his very breath became ours. God breathes on us the Holy Spirit, enabling us to be the hands and feet of Christ, to be grace, to breathe hope, to show mercy, as hard as that can be sometimes in this life and this world of ours. Yet the Holy Spirit empowers us to do and be that which we cannot do or be on our own. I know for certain if it weren't for the work of the Holy Spirit, I would not be preaching today. Something 30 years ago, the mere thought of being a pastor would have taken my breath away in laughter. My, how God has a sense of humor. Maybe you can relate. Maybe there are examples in your life, too, where you know that if it were not, but for the grace of God, the breath of God breathing in you, your life would be very different now, too. On that first Pentecost, that was absolutely true. None of Jesus' disciples who were gathered in Jerusalem could have imagined what the future of the church would look like, what their futures would look like. They thought they were at the end of the story, not the beginning. They were wondering whether they should just pack up and head back home, give up the ghost, you know. According to the book of Acts, there were about 120 of Jesus' disciples gathered together in Jerusalem all feeling a bit lost now that Jesus was gone. And then the Holy Spirit breathed into their fear and uncertainties, this mighty wind blows and they are filled up, filled up with the very breath of God. And they began to speak. People from all over the known world were in Jerusalem for the festival of Pentecost, a Jewish festival known by many names in the Old Testament the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of the Harvest, Ladder First Fruits, Shavat. People from all over the known world were in Jerusalem for this festival when they all suddenly heard their native language being spoken. Parthians stuck their heads through the door expecting to see other Parthians. Libyans looked around for other Libyans, but what they saw instead were a bunch of Galileans, just rural folks from northern Israel dressed, as a pastor friend of mine would say, in the equivalent of first-century overalls. Yet they were speaking with eloquence and hope about the mighty acts of God. Before the day was over, the church grew from 120 to more than 3,000. The breath of God breathed through those Galileans. And shy people became bold. Scared people became gutsy. Lost people found a sense of direction. Disciples who had not believed themselves capable of tying their own sandals without Jesus, discovered abilities within themselves they never knew they had. The book of Acts becomes the story of their adventures. Pastor Sarah has been leading a number of you through those adventures, through the book of Acts these past weeks. If you haven't been able to be part of that Bible study, I encourage you to check out the resources on our adult education page on our website under the growing tab, it will be worth your time. In the first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels, we learn about the good news of what God does through Jesus. In the book of Acts, we learn about the good news of what God does through the Holy Spirit, through disciples, through us. The Holy Spirit breathes in, with, for, and through the church. Through frightened, ordinary, insecure, sometimes bumbling disciples breathing them into a force for good that changes the world. I've witnessed it so many times over the years as a pastor. I've witnessed the Spirit breathing, and it never ceases to amaze me. I have witnessed the Holy Spirit breathe into broken relationships when some of the anger or resentment being held so tightly cracks open just enough to let a little forgiveness in just enough for the possibility of a second chance. The Holy Spirit breathes forth a future that wasn't there before. I've witnessed the Holy Spirit breathe into the midst of difficult decisions when there seems to be no good options, but then a shared prayer or conversation with a friend entirely changes one's whole perspective. The Holy Spirit breathes forth a future that wasn't there before. I have witnessed the Holy Spirit breathe into grief and loss. When the once dark, lonely emptiness you couldn't ever imagine feeling any different gives way just a little, just enough to glimpse a bit of joy in life once again, the Holy Spirit breathes forth a future that wasn't there before. Even now, separated by six feet, worshipping via YouTube, I keep learning about your generosity, your compassion, your care for one another, your willing sacrifice of some freedom to help keep others safe. None of this is easy, but the Holy Spirit is breathing in us and through our work of love and care and concern and sacrifice. As I take a deep breath today, I can't help but think about George Floyd, a 46-year-old black man who died this past Monday after being handcuffed and then pinned to the ground, knee on his neck by a police officer. The officer and three others involved in the case have been fired. The video of Floyd pleading, I can't breathe is gut wrenching. I can't imagine what it's like to grow up with the sort of prejudice and stereotype stacked against me like people of color, black men in particular have to face in our country. Racism is embedded in our culture, and in spite of progress since the days of slavery and lawful segregation, there is so much work yet for us to do. The Holy Spirit is breathing in us in our church, breathing compassion, breathing passion for justice, for advocacy, breathing for our honesty about our own prejudice. The Holy Spirit is breathing in us and connecting us together for this crucial work. I find it helpful to think not so much about the Holy Spirit as some sort of entity or persona, but rather to think of the Holy Spirit by what God's Spirit does. Like a force or energy, God connects with us, with our world. God interacts with us, and Spirit becomes. God becomes Spirit in and through relationships with that which God has made. God becomes spirit, breathing, blowing, moving, whispering, incessantly prodding you and me and us together to become grace in our world, to create peace in our world, to work for justice in our world, to bear hope and love in our world. And wouldn't you know, just like disciples of old, people like you and me do incredible things. Food pantries are filled. Thousands of masks are sewn. Letters are written, cards are sent. Medical professionals, essential workers keep showing up even in harm's way. Injustice and prejudice are confessed. And passion for justice, equality, and dignity for all of God's people grows in us and among us. The spirit becomes And grace takes on human form. God's spirit is breathing, conspiring in you, in us together. May we take notice. And may we boldly seek to breathe with God. Amen.
0: We continue our worship as we sing our hymn of the day. O living breath of God, number 407. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Uplifted by the promised hope of healing and resurrection, we join the people of God in all times and places in praying for the church, the world, and all who are in need. We call on your spirit of unity, giving thanks for our different vocations. Activate and utilize the diverse gifts present in your church, that they reveal your love for all. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We call on your spirit of life, present in air, wind, humidity, storms, and oxygen in our atmosphere, breathing energy into all things. Heal with your breath the whole creation, especially those who struggle to breathe due to air pollution. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We call on your spirit of righteousness. Wherever we as a people are divided, unite us. Wherever we are prideful, humble us. Bring an end to racial injustice that too often kills our brothers and sisters of color. Expose the prejudices of our own hearts and make them yearn for your justice and empathy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We call on your spirit of healing Bless nurses, doctors, midwives, chaplains, counselors, and hospice workers as they care for those in need. We pray for all who are facing surgery, dealing with new diagnoses, and for all who long for comfort, especially Neil Fruit, Kim Fruit's father, Chris Vandenberg, Steve Vandenberg's brother, Carolyn Barnhart, Steve Terry, Steve Knutson, and Marilyn Lee. We pray for the Breckner family in the death of Jeanette, and for the Floyd family in the death of George. Breathe your spirit in us and through us, and make us bold advocates and partners. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We call on your spirit of friendship As Elizabeth welcomed Mary to her home, give us a spirit of welcome to find ways to creatively show welcome, acceptance, and hospitality to those we encounter as we walk as disciples in the world. Surprise us with daily, unexpected grace that we rejoice in every blessing you send. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We call on your spirit of hope. As you have led your saints in all times and places, stir in us the desire to follow their example, leading us from death to new life in you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. With bold confidence in your love, almighty God, we place all for whom we pray into your eternal care. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
2: And also also with you.
0: I invite you to share a sign of peace with those you are gathered with as we greet those who are here and as we send our peace and our love to you. Peace be with you. We welcome at this time you to take a moment to do some reflecting on the ways in which God has called you to be generous. We welcome your offerings here to OSL and to those helping um, agencies in our community. You are invited to think about the resources that God has gifted you with, your time, your talent, your financial resources, and find ways to share those with the community that is in need. You are invited to send your offerings here to OSL um, through the mail to the church office or you can use our online giving option at our website at oslme.com. And now we sing together our offertory, Let the Vineyards Be Fruitful.
1: Let us pray. Merciful God, our ordinary gifts seem small for such a celebration, but you make of them an abundance just as you do with our very lives. Feed us again at this table for service in your name in the strength of the risen Christ, amen. gathered into one by the holy spirit let us pray as jesus has taught us our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as in heaven give us today our daily bread forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil for the kingdom The power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. At this time, I invite you to celebrate Holy Communion. If you are gathered with others, share this sacrament with one another or receive the gift of this meal yourself. The body of Christ is given for you. The blood of Christ is shed for you. As you share communion now with us, connected together as the body of Christ, connected through the Holy Spirit, as you receive this gift, uh, I welcome Nathan Miller, who shares special music with us now on Jordan's Stormy Bank, I Stand. Thank uh-huh. you. Thank you, Nathan and Michaela for that beautiful offering of special music this morning. The body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Let us pray. Life-giving God, you have fed us with your word and our hearts burn within us. Through this meal, you have opened us to your presence. So then now, send us forth to share the gifts of Easter with all in need, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
0: As you are sent forth into the rest of this day that God has given you, hear this blessing. May the one who brought forth Jesus from the dead raise you to new life, fill you with new hope, and turn your mourning into dancing. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. I have a couple of announcements that I want to share with you this morning. The first is a reminder that today, um, this afternoon at 1 p.m., will be the last of our Acts Bible Study Zoom meeting. If you are interested in joining us, you are welcome to do so. Send me an email um, at sarah at and I'll make sure that you get a, that link if you're not already a part of my email group. I also want to remind you that if you have a prayer concern or if you wish to visit with one of our parish nurses or one of the pastors, please reach out to us. We are here for you. You can find all of our contact information on our website at oslme.com. And finally, a special word of thanks to Nathan and to Soren Miller for sharing their gifts of music with us this morning and for making our celebration of Pentecost that much more festive. Thank you for sharing your time and your talent. We conclude our worship now with our sending hymn, O Day Full of Grace, number 627, and we'll sing the first four verses.
1: Christ is risen just as he said. Go in peace, share the good news. Alleluia. Thanks Thanks be to God. God.
0: Alleluia. Alleluia.